I am a doctor. I am a data collector. I'm a pharmacist. I am a clinician. I am a counselor. I am a nurse. When the AIDS pandemic hit, we had information, but with COVID-19, we were never ready for the real impact. We are frontline workers regardless of the pandemic. We had to become resilient. That was our biggest motivator. We are health providers. 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 Welcome to the second episode of Pata Podcasts, a series brought to you by Pediatric Adolescent Treatment Africa. I'm your host, Andesiwe May. In this series, we amplify the voices and experiences of health providers sharing promising practices and innovative solutions with their peers, taken from lessons learned during the coronavirus pandemic. In the previous episode, we looked at how to get primary health facilities ready for COVID-19 and beyond. In this episode, we hear from two health providers about the measures put in place at the facilities they work for to ensure that the provision and dispensation of HIV treatment and care was not interrupted or neglected during the COVID-19 response. By profession, Caroline Nyandat is a midwife nurse and she coordinates reproductive and health interventions at one of the Kisumu Medical and Education Trust institutions. KMET works with the most vulnerable communities to ensure equity in terms of access to information and health care and improve health-seeking behaviour. My name is Caroline Nyandat. I work with KMET based in Kenya. There are various factors that really prohibit communities from accessing healthcare services. Some of the factors include policy awareness around the rights that communities have to access healthcare, stigma towards HIV, and most recently, the stigma around COVID-19. The communities who are shying off to come for other SRH services because of fear of COVID tests. And so that actually hindered access to services. The other issue is because of the, the pandemic, that some providers were now relocated to uh, the isolation centers. And so other services were neglected and were not being provided to community members. And so the community members had uh, already that assumption that if you will go to a facility, you will not be able to get a provider who will give you that service. The facility was operating with six staff members before the coronavirus outbreak. Due to the pandemic, they halved the number of staff to curb the spread of the virus. As a result of the focus on COVID-19, facilities faced challenges with continuing with services that help identify the increase in numbers of people living with HIV. There was less uh, voluntary testing that was taking place as before. And uh, in terms of now treatment, there, there was a, a bit of disruption in terms of supply chain uh, because of the restriction. So the commodities were not being um, supplied from our regional uh, national office to uh, respective decentralized sites. And, th and that also disrupted uh, 
the clients or community members from accessing the ARTs that were in the facilities. To ensure that HIV treatment and care would not be neglected in the COVID-19 response, KMET introduced an integration of various healthcare services for people visiting their facilities. When this uh, uh, client or individual came to the facility, we would provide an array of services and those services would be able to cover a longer period of time. While for those that were uh, HIV uh, positive or were on treatment, we were trying to do now um, mobile contacting and tracing. Then in terms of dispensing the ART drugs, we were able to ensure that they can have the ART treatment drugs for a, a, a longer period between three months, and uh, then three months to six months. And for adolescents, we were trying to have it monthly because we, we, we also were cognizant of the fact of the shift that was happening between the urban to rural areas. With the closure of schools and workplaces, many families relocated from urban areas to rural regions during the lockdown period in Kenya. This meant that adolescents and young people became vulnerable to falling off HIV treatment and seeking health care. A collaborative approach between health facilities worked best to ensure that people living with HIV continued with their treatment and care. Uh, we had to now do inter-county co uh, collaboration. And so when one had moved and would go to a new site, the individual would be asked questions like, "Was there? were you getting the drug from originally another site? So that then we do not presume that this is a new client, but rather this is a continuing client on care. So we also tapped into uh, women groups. We tapped into youth group sessions to be able to educate uh, uh, those living uh, with positive and also provide them their own uh, uh, platform to be innovative in, in that they provide their own safe space. Well, we say that information is power. And so one of the key channels that we tried to have in place was to ensure that the young person is informed and uh, has the right information so that as they are interacting among themselves, they will be able to know uh, protective measures, ways to control uh, the COVID-19 infection at the community level. Now we visit Naomi, who had to embrace business as usual, or rather unusual, and the challenges that came with reimagining her home as an office space to accommodate remote working during the COVID-19 pandemic. Naomi describes herself as being dynamic and free-spirited. She is passionate about making a difference in communities and advocating for youth programs and sexual health and reproductive rights. She is a program associate working with the sexual reproductive health and rights thematic area at a human rights NGO in Nairobi. My name is Naomi Monda, working for an organization called KELIN that stands for Kenya Legal and Ethical Issues Network on HIV and AIDS. KELIN is a human rights NGO working to protect and promote health-related human rights in Kenya. One of the challenges that KELIN faced as an NGO that supports health facilities through advocacy was a lack of information about how the Kenyan government was planning to curb the spread of the virus at health facilities. To address this, the organization conducted several surveys 
to see if health facilities were prepared to manage COVID-19 whilst continuing to provide other essential health services. So the, the results of the survey did not really paint a good picture because frontline health providers reported that they were not provided with adequate PPEs and some of them had not even undergone training on how they can manage the pandemic. So this data assisted in amplifying the local realities, the concerns and challenges, and it informed our response and advocacy efforts. So we developed the reports, disseminated the results through webinars, where we invited key stakeholders, including key health providers and relevant organizations working on health. Immediately, the first case of COVID was confirmed in Kenya. Uh, my organization, Kaylin, mobilized over like 50 other CSOs, professional body and govern governance experts, and collaboratively developed an advisory note on ensuring a rights-based response to curb the spread of COVID-19. So we shared these with uh, the National Emergency Response Committee on Coronavirus, key government officials, other development partners, and media houses. So this advisory note was um, emphasized on preventive measures, as well as the right to information and right to health. During the COVID-19 pandemic, Kellen staff were working from home due to lockdown regulations implemented by the Kenyan government. This meant that they could not assist health facilities with community outreach campaigns to create awareness about COVID-19 or assist them with dispensation of HIV treatment and care. However, the NGO found other ways of supporting health facilities. It was understandable that our public health services were strained and were now focusing on managing COVID and people are really not um, accessing services at public facilities. So some NGOs who provide services that were interrupted like HIV and services came in to ensure that they cover this gap. It doesn't mean that it was adequate because we still have a lot of people who are affected and could not access services that they needed. But that is something that NGOs did and can do to support facilities. So one other thing that we do was um, setting up hotlines for reporting cases of rights violations and corruption. So some of the reports led us to file three cases in court. One was challenging the manner in which mandatory quarantine was being implemented to seeking to enforce the rights of people to access information. And the third case was to challenge the detention of patients in COVID isolation facilities for failure to pay the cost of treatment. So that and uh, acknowledging the work done by healthcare workers, appreciating them, and even simplifying the international and national guidelines and share this information on our website and social accounts. In this section, we hear from our health providers about how the information and guidance in this episode can be utilized by the health community beyond COVID-19 to ensure that communities have uninterrupted access to healthcare services. Here is Caroline from Kenya again. I think uh, the most important thing is that we should ensure that uh, uh, HIV care and management is not actually ignored in terms of uh, discussing 
sensitizing community members, then empowering the communities to be able to be uh, their own advocates. Uh, the government needs to have policies or direction protocols that then ensures uh, that adequate integration in such cases like when we have pandemic, and then with ensuring that um, the service providers are not neglected, but by ensuring that the frontline workers are given that protection so that as they serve, they also feel more confident and they also feel more protected to continue ensuring uh, that such uh, care and management of people living with uh, HIV is not neglected. And here is Naomi from Nairobi again. We really need to scale up differentiated service delivery for HIV. And so this means that we adapt HIV services to suit the preference of patients so as to reduce the burden on the health system. This may be through telemedicine and courier, and this can be complemented by trained community health workers. These, however, needs accurate keeping of records for successful delivery and promptly following up when these delivery don't happen. So the last recommendation is just for the government to always involve the community when addressing public health issues. And that uh, rights-based approach, rather than a criminalized approach, would work better in ensuring people adhere to preventive measures put in place. You've been listening to the Pata podcast series. I'm Andesiwe May. In the next episode, we'll be hearing from health providers about how to protect yourself physically and emotionally by managing stress, mental health, and self-care during the COVID-19 pandemic. You can find more information about Pata and our work by visiting our website at www.teampata.org and interact with our social media handles at Team Pata on Twitter and Instagram and at Pediatric Adolescent Treatment Africa on Facebook. This podcast was produced by Volume. Thanks for listening. Volume.